Kasky hits this one deep to left field. This has a chance. This ball is gone. It's a walk-off home run. Now Caleb driving left side alley-oop to Nelson. Throws it down with two hands. Raiders make the handoff. Keeps it running left. He's across midfield. 40, 30, 20, 10. Jalen Rayner to the house. Welcome to the Second to None podcast. The A-State Podcast, presented by First National Bank and Kavanaugh Auto Group. Now, here's Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. Coming up, we'll talk basketball, indoor track and field, bowling. They were all in action this past week. We'll recap everything that went on in the world of A-State athletics and get you ready for the week ahead. Another big story on campus right now, the tennis team. They're coming off their second win of the year Saturday. 4-1 over Oral Roberts, a match that was played in Springfield, Missouri. Tennis team now 2-2 on the year. Already matching last year's entire win total. And here to talk about it, a senior tennis player from Cape Town, South Africa. Welcome in, Rebecca Brody. How are you doing, Rebecca? I'm doing good, thanks. And yourself? Thank you for having me. Doing great. I know we said Rebecca here at the start, but everybody calls you Bex. Yes, that's right. We're glad you're in today. And first off, congratulations on the start of this season. Yeah, thank you so much. We really have been working so hard for it. So thank you. What's different about this year? I think it's honestly the coaching staff and the way that Coach Sujay and Coach Marshall just lift us up and prepare us. And I think our confidence is on a different level. I think we can actually, for once, really back how well we've been practicing and we can actually really trust our game and everything. We've just been prepping so hard and we're actually really having a lot of fun while doing it. So if you're having fun while doing your job, you're going to do a better job at doing it. So you said that the coaching staff, the thing they've done kind of building you up. Is that the biggest thing kind of the coach can bring to you at the college level? Because the truth is, at this point, like right, they're not calling plays like some of the other sports, and you guys have grown up playing this sport your whole life. So, kind of, what's the biggest benefit good college coaching can give you? If, if somebody's a quote good college tennis coach, what's that mean? What are they doing for their players? They're definitely preparing for practice as well. Like definitely um, this year, it's nice going to practice and not knowing like what you're going to do. You're definitely going to do something a bit new, so that's always good, and it's always very relevant. They plan the practices very well. So that helps a lot. And they're very good at everyone is treated like as an individual. If we're busy practicing, then they'll come up and be like, okay, hey, like I know you want to work, but on your volleys, like they're very good at realizing what everybody needs. So I think that's very good. Everyone feels like they have a special place in the team. And also everyone has a different role in the team. And if you feel important, I think that's also very good in our team. But I think definitely the way they like lift us up and prepare us is helped us a lot especially confidence is such a big thing in tennis especially because in singles when you're out there all by yourself you need to be able to back yourself and be confident so I think that helps a lot when someone else is behind you cheering you on and you know that they're actually telling the truth with what they're saying about how hard you've been preparing well we're big fans of your new head coach Sujay Lama and he was in on this very podcast a few months ago and 
his energy is just infectious. He's got a positivity about him that you can't help but like. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. He's just such a happy person and he makes practice such a like fun place to be. And he's always making jokes. But then also when it's time to work, he knows it's time to work and he'll take it seriously and stuff. So it's nice having him. He's a good figure to have as a coach. He just makes it very fun for all of us. And he has a lot of knowledge. That's also very cool about him. I'm going to give you a little history lesson here, Bex, and you probably don't know this, but there was a stretch that our football team from 2010 to 2014 had five head coaches in five years. You can relate to that now because Coach Lama is the fifth head coach that you've worked with in your five years at Arkansas State. So we've got a second five and five (laughs) at A-State. Never thought we'd see that again, but we've seen it with the tennis program. What's that been like for you? It's actually quite like crazy. Every time I go home and talk to my friends, they're like, oh, how's it going? I'm like, oh, we have a new head coach. And they're always joking, saying, I swear, every time we speak to you, you have a new head coach. So everyone back home knows <laughs> that too. And I think for once, we actually have a head coach that's really, really, really committed to us. And we know that he's here to stay. So that does help a lot, especially for the younger girls in our team. And he's really trying to build something here. But it's actually been crazy. Also, trying to adapt to all the coaches is different. Like every single coach has a different coaching style, different way of planning practices. And it's just been crazy, actually. I can't believe I've actually gone through like four head coaches while I've been here. In horse racing terms, like Beck's here is a closer because you know those those football guys that did it they did it the easy way where you just literally each year you had a different one she was behind and so she rattled off about three head coaches in one year to catch up and <laughs> make herself a five and fiver yeah it, the the timeline's not exactly <laughs> the same you, you know in, in football you had a new one to start each year off with but they've all been bridged together and fortunately we've got somebody like an Amy Holt on campus that is a former tennis coach herself and has been an interim head coach for you guys on several occasions. Yes, that's right. Last year, she took us to play U of A and um, Mississippi State, and we're really lucky to have her. And she's great, especially when they've been finding new head coaches. She's always very involved with it. And she has, her heart is so big, and we have a very special place in it. And she's always at all our matches. She'll come out to practice sometimes. It's just nice having her part of the support system as well. She really does so much for us. Now, you talked about what Coach uh, Sujay and his staff have done, but because this was your third staff in about a year, did it make you guys jaded at all? Like, did, did these guys have to work a little harder to, to build your trust because it had turned over so quickly a couple of times? I think it did take a little bit of time because, especially for us seniors, we were like, oh, another head coach, like for our last year. But I think they did a good job of doing it. Just the way they were very organized from the get-go. They were organized and we could see, hey, these people, like, they have a plan here. They're just not here to, like, take the job. They actually want to build something here. So I think that helped us put a lot of trust into them. And just hearing about Coach Sujay's um, past at UNT, he had an uh, incredible record and everything. I think even the numbers made me for and I was able to trust him. And he actually coached a South African player Amanda Kutzer who went to Wimbledon and she was a very very good player so that also for me when I could relate a name with a coach I can be like hey like 
I can definitely trust this guy. Like he's coached Amanda Kutzer. So I think just the way they had a plan from the get-go was very good. That helped us see that this is better than in the past. Coaches would come in and wouldn't actually have a plan yet, but now they did. So that does help a lot. How has all the adversity with all the head coaches made you more resilient, not only as a player, but I guess uh, – as a person as well. Definitely as a person, I've been able to, or not, maybe not go with the flow, but been ready for anything type of thing. I think that's definitely been with me. I'm sure in like my life one day, I'm basically, I'm studying supply chain management and I'm sure one day in logistics when something goes wrong, I'll be able to handle it a lot better because of like how I've been able to almost, I think we found out about Coach Sujay being our head coach just under a month before we started the fall. I think with that type of thing, there's a lot of uncertainty and I guess I might be able to deal with that better in my future. Well, and I know we're going to talk about academics in a second in terms of the way you uh, produce there, but I'm quite positive we've never had anybody sit in that chair and say, I study supply chain management. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to let you dumb that down for, for nobody else but for me in terms of like, why and what you want to turn that into? So basically, my dad, he's always worked in the transportation industry in South Africa. And just always like the dinner table talk of trucks and this and that. I was always a little bit interested in it. And I've always loved maths and stats. So that kind of got me when I was first like looking at A-State. I first, I started with business administration because I knew I wanted to do something in business. And then I saw they had this major supply chain management with logistics and transportation. I was like hey, I think I could actually really enjoy that. So then I changed my freshman year. And then I also decided to minor in stats because I think that helps so much with the logistics field and just being able to predict things better. So yeah, so basically a dumbed down version of supply chain management is working with trucks, transportation, logistics of warehousing and all that type of thing. And it's a very different field in South Africa compared to here. It's a lot more organized, I think, in the United States than back home in South Africa. So, yeah, that got me interested in it, I think, just from a young age, hearing from my dad. Hmm. Sujay Lama passed along a couple of things here. He, he did say you are a great student, nearly a 4.0 GPA, and also passed along a little tidbit that you have been admitted to the number three master's program at Michigan and you received a scholarship there. Yes, I did. I was Congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at going to grad school and it's quite tough with supply chain management because it's quite a specific degree and not many universities have it. And then I was busy looking at Michigan and I was like, well, I'm just going to give it a shot. And I'm really excited. I start in June. Wow, you know the Red Wolves come up there and play football. That's the right. I did actually see that. I was like, what is the chances? I think it's the Michigan homecoming game. So I was like, what are the odds? I can't believe they'd schedule us for homecoming either. <laughs> it's pretty early. I know. It really is. That's in September. All right. So another thing that I know Coach Lama has been impressed with is the way you're able to balance school and as he puts it still be a beast in the gym and at practice too how do you balance it all I think it's just about enjoying all of it I always say that I really enjoy playing college tennis because it's like a job that I try really hard to get so especially with lifting and all that that is one of my hobbies outside of tennis especially when I go home in the off season I just enjoy going to the gym it's like my happy place so I guess doing that with the team makes it even more fun 
So yeah, I just tend to balance it because with enjoyment and also with my major, I really enjoy what I study. So I'm a bit more motivated. Obviously, I'm not going to be motivated every day to sit down and do my work, but overall I know what the for like what I'm doing for the bigger picture but I think enjoying something is really the key behind all of it. Tennis brings you over here and I know we want to hear that part of the story but you know you talked about picking up an interest in this field at the dinner table and then you also made a passing comment that that sort of thing is more organized in the United States than maybe in South Africa. So in the long run do you want to do that in the United States or do you want to go make it more organized in South Africa? Unfortunately, in South Africa, the way it's not organized is with crime and all that. Because <laughs> I was busy doing an internship over the summer at a logistics company where they have trucks. And in the morning, I would come in and they'd talk about trucks getting hijacked. So I was like, oh, good grief. Like, that's quite a tough thing to have to sort out. But I'm not sure where I want to stay in the future. I kind of want to keep all my doors open. I want to hear about South Africa. And you grew up in Cape Town, which I know is one of the more beautiful places in the world. So tell me about growing up there. So I actually first used to live in Johannesburg till I was about 13. And my dad is originally from Cape Town and he kind of wanted a better quality of life for me and my brother to grow up in. Johannesburg's just not great. It's a big city and all that. So then we decided to move down to Cape Town. And I think environment makes such a difference. It's beautiful there. It's I live by the mountains and the sea and it's just like hiking trails is, and the weather is pretty good mostly around. It's very windy though, but we can move around that. But I love South Africa. It's a very different country. There's a lot of diversity there. Unfortunately, there is like a lot of inequality too. So you really see all of it back home and stuff. I've been very privileged though. I loved my school that I went to there, Somerset College. It was on a wine, on an old wine farm. It was just a very nice scenery. It was beautiful. So I love South Africa. We also have a beach house there, and that's also one of my happy places. I love going home over winter break to um, the beach. And, yeah, it's just a... Because winter break is actually yeah. summer for yes. you. <laughs> that's right. So, no, I just, I really think the environment there, I really enjoy it. And I'm quite close with my family, too, so it's always nice going home to see them. Like, roll me through kind of what your sporting options were. We'll talk about why it was tennis in a minute, but just what all could it have been? Like, what are the most available sports for young ladies to try to get into in South Africa? I actually played field hockey until um, 12th grade. I played it throughout my whole life. I loved the team aspect of it. And then tennis was more of my side sport. It was my individual sport. But I really couldn't leave field hockey because of the team. I just love playing with the team, winning with the team, even losing and learning with the team. I really enjoyed it. And even when I was in 12th grade, I remember I was like missing like a field hockey practice once a week just to be able to play tennis. And a lot of people did tell me, hey, like if you want to go to college, you need to like pick one. Like, But I was just very stubborn and I said, no, I'm going to keep playing both of them. I just loved hockey so much and then in the end college tennis has that team aspect to it that's what I really love about it so that's when both sports kind of came together but yes field hockey is very big for um, young ladies in South Africa. When did coming to America and playing college tennis become an option for you? I always played tennis actually since I was very young since I was about three 
And then when I was 15 or so, um, I never, I didn't peak very early. Like I struggled a lot when I was about 12 and stuff. I didn't win many matches at all. Then I started going to the gym, getting stronger, getting taller. And when I was about 15, I changed coaches because I was quite unhappy. And the new coach, her name is Sunel. Um, she actually played for University of Idaho and at Washington State. She was big on the whole college thing. And I had kind of heard about it, but she really steered me in the right direction. And when I was about 17 or so my game really started to peak and then it was starting to look at colleges and doing all that because I wasn't very keen on staying in South Africa to study I was keen on going overseas and I think the best way to do that would be by playing tennis and studying at the same time so obviously that's not for everybody so what made it for you 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 knew you wanted to go somewhere else in the world why I just think that, especially because I had moved from like Johannesburg to Cape Town, I saw something with like changing sceneries. I don't think you can stay in the whole in the same place for your whole life. So I took a big step and I was like, I think I want to do something a bit different. Well, you said you were very close with your family. Mm-hmm. So what's their reaction when you say, hey, guys, I'm going to take off and move to the United States? I think they were mainly for it. Like my dad was always kind of more for it um, instead of me staying in South Africa to study. And also we're very lucky. We travel a lot. So I had been to the States quite a few times before, never to the South though. I, we had been skiing a couple times in Colorado, Utah, and then been to the East Coast and West Coast, but I'd never been to the South before. But they were big on it. Since we've traveled a lot, they know what's out there. There's nowhere closer to South Africa than the Rocky Mountains to go skiing. I'd actually been skiing in New Zealand before, <laughs> in <laughs> well, Italy. But yeah. This is closer. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. One thing we were talking about before we started recording was just tennis as a whole. And I know the Australian Open just wrapped up. You said you know, one of your favorite players is Rafa Nadal mm-hmm. on the men's side. What about the women's side? Who's your favorite player there? When I was younger, it was um, definitely Mira Sharapova. I honestly think it was because I loved her outfits and everything. So that's when I didn't know that much about tennis. But at the moment, I'm a big Coco Gauff fan. I just love how she keeps her head. I think that's very impressive. And tennis is so mental. If you're able to keep your head, like that is a very impressive thing. And it will help you a lot, especially in the long run. So I really like her. But the women's game is changing quite a lot. There's always different um, new faces and all that. But I also am a big fan of Maria Sakkari. She's a very strong player. She's very big into her being strong and being able to play tennis. So, yeah, those I think at the moment those are my two favorite. There's some good ones out there. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of great tennis over these last couple of weeks with the Australian Open. When Sujay Lama was in here, he talked about all the different majors he's been to. And he's been to them all. Mm-hmm. And he sounds like, hey, if you ever want to go to these tournaments, he knows all the ins and outs of these these places. No, he really does. <laughs> he, he's really been everywhere, except he hasn't been to South Africa yet. That was one place. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get him there at some point. It's got to be a big change living here in the United States now. You said you wanted to be here, but what do you miss the most about South Africa? I think my friends, I've got some really um, good friends back home, but they also are at the moment placed all over the world. And I think the scenery, like I said before, I just love what it looks like where I live back home. I love being able to go for walks and then you're basically on the mountain and all that. So I think definitely the scenery is what I miss the most and the food. Well, I was going to ask. The next (laughs) thing was what can you not get here? There's a thing called biltong. It's similar to jerky, but it's not the exact same. I think that's definitely a big thing. 
and back home instead of barbecuing we call it brying so I think just it's a, just a bit different back home when my dad is brying for us so yeah I think that's what I miss the most probably and, w- and when they do that at home what meat is it it could be actually almost anything it could be uh, like game meat and then it could even be beef even ostrich so it's a mixture of everything wow yeah. okay. all right so I'm gonna flip it around the other way what did when you got to the states what did you find that you liked that you had not had before? I was a big sweet tea fan when I first came, I must say. <laughs> it's easy to get hooked on that. Yeah. Hey, one thing I wanted to ask you kind of before we wrap it up is Coach Lama, we've talked a lot about him. And I think part of it's just because this is the way he wants it to be. But also, I think he did it with you guys and especially you seniors in mind, is that he has really sort of uh, put a lot of work in to getting people to come what you guys play. And you played your first match you know, a week or so back uh, at the trim gym, and it, you couldn't even find a place to watch. A couple hundred people up there trying to watch these courts. So what was that like? That was so fun. Like, I actually could not believe it because usually we invite a couple of people to come watch us when we play at home and that, but it'll be the same type of people that show up. And then I was busy warming up, and then there's people walking in. I'm like, okay, that's about 10. That's 20. Then we're going for doubles. I'm like oh, wow, there's like 50 people up there. And then all of a sudden I saw people couldn't even find like space to sit and all that. So that was, that made it even more fun, honestly. Like, yes, it did put a little bit more pressure, but like Coach Lama always tells us pressure is a privilege. So yeah, I really did enjoy that. That was great. And I think that's so great for ASA tennis coming in the future. And then you transition coming up. Well, this week there's some stuff. So now it's almost like, well, Trim Jim put on a show. And so now like Ridgepoint's kind of, Take its turn at it. You guys go to play at Ridgepoint this week, and I know they got stuff going on almost all during the week leading up to you guys playing out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on Wednesday, um, we have something called an ASU Bash, and it's basically a bit of a meet and greet for us and some of the Ridgepoint members. And then, yes, then we play on Friday against Lindenwood at Ridgepoint. And yeah. Sunday against Butler. Oh, yeah, Sunday against Butler, yes. Fun stuff, and that's what you want. You want to have a fun home environment. And the fact that you guys have that now in your senior year under your fifth head coach is pretty neat, and you get to enjoy all this. Yeah, I'm really lucky, and I'm so happy that I actually do get to enjoy that in my time at college because I'd always heard that back home from people that went to play college tennis. Oh, the home, playing at home is so fun. So many home crowds, and I hadn't really experienced it until this year, <laughs> I must say. So that as that makes it really fun and makes me even more excited for the season. Rebecca Brody, Bex, we appreciate <laughs> you coming in and hanging out with us today. Congratulations on the great start this season, and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. More to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by First National Bank and Kavanaugh Auto Group right after this. Get huge savings now at every Kavanaugh dealership. Kavanaugh has a great selection of late model, low mileage, certified pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And most are still under factory warranty. We have every make and every model, so you're sure to find the vehicle you want. And when you buy at Kavanaugh, Every new and used purchase comes with one year of free maintenance. Plus, we buy cars. Bring a vehicle, get a check. Come see us today at one of our dealerships or go to KavanaughCars.com.
This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now. Wolves up. And we welcome you back to the Second to None podcast presented by Kavanaugh Auto Group and by our friends at First National Bank, where they put you first always. Men's basketball was on the road in Louisiana one day more than they expected to be (laughs) this past week. Pretty unique circumstance this past Thursday night at the Cajun Dome in Lafayette. I'm in the middle of my pregame show and about 15, 20 minutes before tip-off, all the power goes out inside the Cajun Dome. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Immediately you thought, man, we're not even taking a game-winning shot. <laughs> and the lights are already out here. Well, that's what happened to Little Rock a couple of years ago. <laughs> but you're right. It's something that's happened before. In this instance, though, they didn't come right back on. And... Apparently, a truck hit a power pole. There was a transformer that went out. And, you know, after about four or five minutes, the lights didn't come back on. Of course, we're running commercials back in the studio here. And I call our producer, Ryan, and I said, hey, I'm just going to call you on my cell phone and do updates every few minutes. And we'll just let everybody know what's going on until they make a decision on what they want to do here. Finally, about 8 o'clock, the decision was made, and this is about 40 minutes after the lights had initially gone out. They made the decision to postpone the game until Friday. And I was asking Coach Hodson, following all this, I said, well, what was the conversation? You know, what was kind of in play here? And he said, yeah, everybody kind of wanted to do it on Friday. Lafayette wanted to play a little bit later on in the evening. We wanted to play earlier in the afternoon, and there was kind of a compromise made to play at 4 o'clock. But what drug the rest of that conversation out is like, right? You know, now all of a sudden you've got Texas State and ULM. ULM involved because they're supposed to play Arkansas State and Lafayette on Sunday or on Saturday. And well, it's hard to make decisions with those guys involved when. They are on the floor playing at the time. Yeah, that was the holdup as far as everybody was concerned because Texas State, they said, yeah, I mean, we can play Sunday, but we want to play early in the day and be able to get back home. So they decided to go ahead and schedule that game Sunday at noon in Lafayette between the Cajuns and Texas State. And then with our instance, yeah, we're waiting on ULM to get back with us their AD wanted to ask Keith Richard what he wanted to do. Well, he was busy coaching a game against <laughs> South Alabama. So we had to kind of wait until everything had concluded uh, on that Thursday night. And then they got back with us and we decided to move it back to Sunday at 1. So I told Coach Hanson, I said, of all the weeks for you to be on the road one day longer, it's the week your son was born, yep. which happened back on Monday afternoon. That's an interesting deal. You know, we talked about it last week with missing the Texas State game because you just like you just those are dice you can't roll. Like right, you I mean you just can't be somewhere else when it comes time for that baby to be born. 
And quite honestly, I anticipated he'd be with his team all weekend and coach him, but I wouldn't have thought one thing about it had he not. But by the same token, I expect him to be right where he was on the sidelines and Lafayette, and then eventually uh, a day day later he wanted to be in Monroe. As for the games themselves, the Red Wolves falling in that game Friday afternoon at the Cajun Dome, 81-75. They were down 18 with 5.21 to go, came all the way to within three, but ended up losing it by six. Just cold shooting in this one. They were 6 of 26 from three. The Red Wolves started 2 of 20 from three. They hit four of their last six as part of that late run. Three-pointers really weren't the big issue in this game. It happened to come at the foul line, and it was just so frustrating because I know you got to see that first meeting, whatever it was, 13 days before here in Jonesboro. Well, the Cajuns controlled that game. They were the better team that day, and they did everything they wanted to do, and they won by seven here in Jonesboro. I thought we made some really good adjustments. We did a lot of the things we wanted to do in this game this past Friday. But when you leave 20 points at the foul line, you miss 17 free throws. You go 17 of 34, but we also missed a couple of front ends of one-and-ones. And we had a lane violation when we were shooting a free throw, which took away a point. Which, by the way... After enough misses, you can kind of understand because you're just expecting to have to go get a rebound. So somebody's going to sneak in there early. It's what's crazy, and it'll bleed right into talking about the game in ULM. I understand. I'm, I'm with you. Everybody, it drives people crazy by missing free throws because you, you shoot them all the time. You're standing there. There's no defense. What we saw Friday, missing free throws for whatever reason, as little sense as it makes, is contagious. What we saw Sunday – for the most part, so is making them. They shot a lot of free throws on Saturday at practice, and they always shoot a lot of free throws. (laughs) Y'all, going into that game on Friday, they were top five in the league in free throw percentage in conference play. I think they were at 74% as a team, which is a good number. But they lost that game at the line on Friday, worked a lot once again on Saturday, and they got – off to a great start at the foul line. And I can't remember what the number was. Was it? Did we hit our first 16 the uh, other day? It was somewhere 14, 16, somewhere in there. But it started off really well from the foul line on Sunday in that game at ULM. Really, we weren't even thinking about that because everything was just going so well. It was going smooth for most of the day. In fact, the Red Wolves led for over 41 minutes in this ball game. Led by as many as 17 in the first half. You're up 15 at halftime. Up seven with a minute to go in the game. But ULM comes back. They hit a three with 4.6 seconds to go to force overtime. Overtime got off to a good start. A-State scored the first five points in OT. But ULM came back again. They bank home a three with under 10 seconds to go as the shot clock was about to expire. And your thought at that point is, are you kidding me? Yeah. They take a three-point lead and they hold on to win it 85-82 to in a game that just absolutely ripped your heart out. Because A-State did a lot of things well for a good part of this game. When it was all said and done, you know, they played 45 minutes of basketball. A-State led for over 41 minutes. ULM, they led for a grand total of 27 seconds. Golly, that's bad. It, there's not any one thing that caused that to happen. 
we could rattle off. We could spend the next five minutes talking about things that could factor into that. But mostly it's just that I checked. ULM's got guys they put on scholarship. And, you know, you got to expect at some point they're going to make a run at you. And it wasn't any sort of real quick spurt. All of a sudden, it's you know, they go in some 9-0. It was just a slow and steady. They didn't pay. They chipped away. They chipped away. They got to stop here and there. And before you know it, when the game was coming down the stretch online, they were back in it. I guess the biggest bright spot of the day, the play of Darian Ford. Had a career-high 20 points, 12 rebounds. He was fantastic. And he had a big cheering well, session. Well, I was to say, l- watching that broadcast, I mean, the loudest cheers of the day were that you could hear over that broadcast was when Darian Ford did something. Well, I think we probably had about <laughs> as many people as ULM did in attendance. Their band even Sunday. took the day off, huh? Yeah, and man, I'm glad they did because that band they brought in was, was a, phenomenal. Carroll High School. Carroll yeah. High School was the band. And they've filled in before in situations like that. But after they pushed back the game from Saturday to Sunday, the ULM pep band wasn't able to do it on Sunday. And they brought in this Carroll High School group. And man, they were great. Yeah, they got a lot of airtime. I think they performed the entire halftime. They wore the uniforms and everything. They did. They, They did it up big but anyway just a heartbreaking loss for the men they fall to eight and 13 overall four and five in conference play they'll return home this week we'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit as for the a-state women they were at ulm on thursday ulm on the women's side probably the most improved team i'm not going to say probably they are the most improved team in the sun belt so i had a um let's say i had a friend of mine remind me and i'm glad this friend reminded me because i would have forgotten otherwise but after this game this game was thursday night so friday morning this friend sent me a screenshot of a text that they originally sent me on april 26th and the text said this is random but mark it down for all the tough years for ULM women's basketball they made a home run hire and the program will get turned around quickly well that person Knew what they were talking about, I guess. They went the JUCO route. She Built came her from, back. Yeah, she came from Jones, Jones Community, Community College. College. And, 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 you know, won a zillion games there and had them as a JUCO power. And, you know, a lot of the – and, you know, rebuilt that roster, completely flipped it. A handful of those players are players that played for her at Jones, either came from Jones with her or in some cases went somewhere else and then transferred to play for her after Jones. And there certainly is value in this day and age, in this era of college sports, to having someone from a roster management standpoint that's been successful at the junior college level because that's kind of the way you had to conduct business here right now. She had those relationships with her former players, able to bring a lot of them to ULM with her. And they're one of the more improved teams in the league, but A-State gave them a heck of a game on Thursday. When we get finished talking about Saturday, we'll come back to that that point you're making right here. I got some numbers to go with it. All right. At ULM on Thursday, the women fall 84 to 76. They got down 10 after three, but came back, got to within three with under three minutes to go. By the way, same sort of deal. The, the biggest shot in the game, the, the spurt that they went on late in the third quarter that really gave them the margin they lived off of the rest of the game started on a really, really good defensive possession for Arkansas State. ULM was throwing it all over the yard. It was a guaranteed turnover waiting to happen, and they had to throw in a three from the corner to beat mm. the shot clock. And it kind of got a spurt going that built yeah. up the lead to 7-9, something like that. And it kind of lived off that little spurt 
throughout the fourth quarter was enough to hang on. It's amazing how plays like that can just build well, momentum for you. Keep that. I mean, there's a theme, right? I mean, ULM banked in a three for the game winner. On the men's the men. side. Women, yeah. this was one of the biggest shots of the game, and it's about to pop up again when we start talking about Saturday. The Red Wolves couldn't make it all the way back on Thursday. Lauren Pendleton and Cheyenne Forney, each with 16 points in that game. They were bright spots. The women then go to Troy on Saturday, a Troy team that was going for their eighth consecutive win and a perennial powerhouse on the women's side. That's a tough place to play, but played well. They came back from 15 down in this one to force overtime. Lauren Pendleton with a putback with 0.2 seconds remaining in regulation, tied it up. And then in overtime, Troy, who was one for 11 from three in regulation, goes three for three from three-point mm-hmm. range in the extra period. The and biggest of those three at a time I think Troy was up by one, late in the shot clock, banked in three. Yeah, I was uh, listening to Cade at that point, and uh, I think his – reaction is probably what i would have said is are you kidding me it's and just, i think that was the same reaction i had on the air during the men's just, it's broadcast it's unbelievable and we were talking about it jerry scott said this this morning we were in the office talking about that and how it happened to both teams in overtime on the road and he made the point it's probably a fair one he's like you know i'm sure you just don't remember it when you do it to somebody but it sure does feel like that always only happens to us <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Troy goes on to win it. Izzy Higginbottom with another 30-point game. How many of those does she have now? Uh, five, I think. Four 34 points, eight assists, five boards. Anna Griffin with a good game, 16 points and seven rebounds. And Emma Amebere with six points and 11 rebounds off the bench. The women now 10-9 and nine overall. They're 4-5 and five in Sunbelt Conference play. Now, none of those numbers are, you just said are where they want them to be. 10 and 9, 4 and 5. And I will, I, I'll, you look at those five conference losses, and I will tell you, you know, just like I think we could all agree that the men's loss down to Monroe's not a good loss when you use all the numbers you talked about, leading for 41 minutes and all the things, right? That, that one really hurt. Game you didn't feel like you should have lost. I'd put the women's loss here against the Cajuns in the same way. You watch that game, Arkansas State should have won that game. There are other four losses are all to the teams that currently are in first, second, third, and fourth in the Sunbelt standings, and all four were on the road. Yeah. Outside that game, they let get away here against the Cajuns. The teams, they lost their other four games to, top four teams in the league on the road. Those four teams have a combined record of 31-5, and five, and three of the five losses they've suffered are all against each other. Now, in that case, you go Marshall's 9-0. and A-State played a terrible first quarter. And was down by 16 after one and got beat by 17. Mm-hmm. One point game the last three quarters. Troy's eight and one. Arkansas State, by the way, should have won the game. I know you talk about it. we got the put back with point two to go, but really had the lead in the closing seconds. Troy actually had to do a couple of things to even get in that situation. Yeah. So you lost that game in overtime. ULM, we just talked about that game. It was a three-point game with two minutes and ten seconds to go. And at James Madison, you had a ten-point lead at one point in the third quarter, and you were still – it was a four-point game with a minute 20 to go. So that's where you were on the road against the top four teams in the league. So do you want to be four and five? No. But they're right there. Should your head really be down about it? No, because I can promise you when people are formulating – at the halfway point here and people are formulating their list of teams they don't want to play in Pensacola – Arkansas State's on that list. They'll be home for the next couple. 
We'll talk about what's coming up for the basketball teams and tell you what else is happening in the world of A-State athletics when we come back to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by First National Bank and the Kavanaugh Auto Group. At First National Bank, our mortgage lending team knows what it takes to make a home and a superior home loan process. Simple, proven, and reliable service with competitive rates at a bank that already feels like home. Since 1889, that's been the First National Bank way because for our people, this is home. Apply online at fnbank.net slash mortgage. From our family to yours, welcome home. First National Bank. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Red Wolf fans, this is Demario Davis, proud Red Wolf and linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm asking you to help out our current A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities, make a monthly commitment, and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and get today at impactclub.com thank you and wolves up again this podcast brought to you by our good friends at first national bank and by the kavanaugh auto group you can check out kavanaugh's entire selection of new and pre-owned vehicles at kavanaughcars.com indoor track and field was at the lenny lyles invitational that was in louisville this past weekend colby eddowes breaking his own school record and Sunbelt Conference record in the heptathlon, Bradley Gilmert winning the elite section of the men's pole vault. Spencer Taylor wins the men's 400 meters, and they're going to be at the New Mexico Collegiate Classic. That's in Albuquerque this coming weekend. I don't want Coach Patchell to think I was eavesdropping on a telephone conversation of his because I wasn't. But you know, my office Sounds like you were. in our building is right near our lobby and he was in our lobby earlier today and i don't know who he was talking to and i don't know who he was talking about it doesn't matter i just happened to hear him walk by and say something effective yet so and so yeah they, they get mad if they don't pr every race and he goes and i'm not that that doesn't make me mad but they still they'll just yeah they kind of get down if they don't they think they'll just have to pr every race that's sort of <laughs> kind of the mindset over there i don't think that's a horrible mindset <laughs> Depends on how mad you get. You're always, you're, yes, that's right. You need to keep those emotions in check. We talked about that with Rebecca Brody earlier. Meanwhile, the bowling team, they finished second out of 12 teams at the Prairie View Invitational in Arlington, Texas over the weekend. It was a good weekend. They had seven wins over top 10 opponents. Unlike the weekend before <laughs> where they went 13-0 and 0, or what, 14-0, and 0, whatever it was, and finished, third. and finished third, they actually had a championship match in which they lost, and they finished second. So it made a whole lot more sense this weekend than it did the weekend before. By the way, lost the, the championship match to a Jacksonville State team that they beat earlier in the day on Sunday, but got back uh, to a matchup with them in the finals, and Jacksonville State got the win. So yeah, seven top 10 wins, and they kind of be... Sort of appearing to be on track here with the home event coming up next. Yeah, next tournament, the Midwinter Invitational. That'll be at Hijinks in Jonesboro, February 16th through the 18th. We talked about all the tennis stuff with Re- Rebecca Brody earlier, but again, they'll be at home at Ridge Points. They'll be hosting Lindenwood at 2 on Friday and then hosting Butler Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Ridge Point. There's obviously there's areas you can stand and watch tennis at Ridge Point, so go check that out. Home facility number two of the four they'll play in That's right. this semester. So Trim Jim set a high bar in terms of uh, 
uh, the way they rolled out the red carpet for Arkansas State, and I know the Ridgepoint people will do the same and look forward to them getting back in action on Friday. And finally, the basketball teams back at home this week. Double headers on both Wednesday and Saturday. Wednesday night, the women will host South Alabama at 5, the men at 7.30 against Southern Miss. And then Saturday, the women play at noon against Old Dominion. That's followed by a very quick rematch against ULM. Second time in seven days these two teams will play after the Red Wolves drop that game on Sunday in Monroe. They can get a little bit of revenge coming up on Saturday at 2.30. Yeah, looking forward to having the teams back. And hopefully, uh, look, it's been two long weeks on the road for them. So hopefully our fans are ready to get them back here. You know, starting Wednesday night, hopefully two good crowds. We'll have uh, Wednesday now to be the first time where uh, we'll have something on the campus side of things where, you know, we have student organizations that have signed up to kind of be leaders of the pack and kind of have a spot reserved for them at a particular game down front in the student section where they understand the sign up for it kind of means they'll bring the juice and we've got the first one of those coming up uh wednesday night also wednesday night in that men's game you know at halftime we'll have the athletic directors honor roll saturday will be a good one too uh, i know the spirit squads are doing a youth clinic and those kids that are in their youth clinic are going to perform at halftime of the women's game saturday so it's good to have those teams back the road not especially kind is a lot of heartbreakers in there these last two weeks so we need our fans to you know welcome these teams back and and get them uh back on the right track Anything you need to get off your chest here? No, I th- we got a lot of it. I think we covered it over here. <laughs> really enjoyed our visit with, I agree with Rebecca yeah. Brody. What an outstanding young lady. And hello to all our new listeners in South Africa this week. I think we got a chance to be the number one rated A-State podcast in South Africa. I like our chances. Thanks to, they Beck, fly us thanks in to, to our new buddy, we will. Bex Brody. Yeah. Thanks to our man, Mark Taylor, for setting up that interview as well. Hope to see everybody out at First National Bank Arena for the basketball games on Wednesday and Saturday. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.